The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. I'm Benita. And I'm Tiffany. And welcome to the One Power Channeling Hour, where we talk all things Wheel of Time. Hey everyone, here we are, the One Power Channeling Hour, um, moving right along. So sorry for anybody who was actually trying to watch us on Twitch this morning. Uh, definitely technical difficulties in that uh, Tiffany, that's me, uh, did not figure out that uh, she was not properly set up to do the streaming because her computer was returned without the proper programs to her when it was fixed. So, oops. Uh, you know, life happens, y'all, and uh, we thank you for hanging in there. We promise we'll be on Twitch recording uh, next week, uh, December 11th, at 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah. I have it- to say, though, Benita looks fabulous uh, in preparation you. for <laughs> us being on camera this morning. Thank um, you. I'm wearing... Uh, yeah, so... so yeah, I'm wearing a very fancy um, sweater that I got at uh, the Goodwill Bins. You know, where you, like, pay by weight? Okay, I love cool. those. So, yeah, I'm wearing, like, a 35-cent sweater. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. I don't even know what I'm wearing anymore, y'all. I, I guess I can see, but I did move myself into, like, a better-looking part, like, with, like, a more interesting background for today, but... It's wasted. I'll try. It's, I'll do oh, it the same it's way not wasted week. on me. I'm appreciating. It. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Ooh, okay, so let's jump into this episode then. Uh, so I can't believe we're already over halfway through this season. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember when seasons of TV shows used to be like 20 episodes long, 24? Yeah. Like now it's like eight episodes. That's all you get. But they're really, they cost a lot to make. So they look really good at least. They do. Okay. Let's, before we really get into it, how thoughts, what are your general thoughts on this episode? Because I have, I have thoughts. I mean, okay. So generally we're clear, we're so out of book territory now that Mm -hmm. it's like, um, yeah, I just, I, 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 Honestly, I'm just, like, hoping that they stick the landing, um, yeah. you know, because so many things are changing by the way they're uh, combining things mm-hmm. and, and uh, putting, you know, everything from four different cities into one city mm-hmm. that we don't even get to in the first book. Like, you know. Did you like this episode? I did like it. Yeah. Okay. Did you? I just don't like it. This is my, oh, probably no. my least favorite episode so far. Wow, even more than the first? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I I did like it. I mean, it was obviously a very, like, full of exposition. Yeah. Talky, talky, talky. We're given a ton of information that we need to know to kind of be in with the world. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we're the, the crux of the episode is not part of the book world. So I feel like... That's hard, but mm-hmm. but I will say like there are things that happen in this episode that I'm kind of like okay I see why they want to show that and that I'm kind of glad that they did. Okay, yeah. let's get it. Let's All get right. into it because I have beef with a lot of this episode, and so oh, let let's get into it beef. so I can start shit talking. 
Okay, I love it. I love it. Okay, so we know that this is Wheel of Time episode five. Uh, the episode is titled Blood Calls Blood. Um, the director of this episode is Sally Richardson Whitfield. So this is her first episode directing for this series. We open on a winter aerial scene of a forest, and then we cut to a close-up of Alana. She's grief-stricken. She's holding a candle. She has a white streak painted down her face. We see the warders burying the dead from last episode's battle against Loghain, including land burying the king of Gialdan. Stepan carries Kareni's body in slow procession, followed by the other Aes Sedai, all carrying candles. He lays Karini's body in her grave and removes her serpent ring, placing it on a string around his neck. He covers her body with a white cloth. He's overcome by grief. Land places a hand on his shoulder in comfort. He stands, and Moraine kneels and places a candle on Karini's body, and she says, May the last embrace of the mother welcome you home. She shares a meaningful look with Lan, and then we cut out to see an aerial view of the Aes Sedai surrounded by two circles of graves with bodies covered in white shrouds. And then we cut to our intro. Any beef here? (laughs) (laughs) No, no beef here. I actually, I actually thought this was a beautiful, I thought it was a beautiful scene. It's just like a nice way to wrap things up. Um, Yeah, I thought... Sure. Yep. Pretty. I like it. It's fine. Yeah, I thought, you know, it's giving us um, some insight into how, you know, the the bond affects the warder once his eyes to die. And that's obviously a big theme of this episode. Right. Um, And uh, um, I thought it was a nice, like... You know, we talked before about how, like, these first scenes before the intros are kind of like the prologues in the book. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was like a night, nice, but this one was more like a nice button on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. I did like how they said the last embrace of the mother welcomes you home because that's, so that's really what the Aiel do. Um, but I'm assuming we won't see that. And so I thought it was really beautiful to have that here. I thought visually it was stunning. Um... And, you know, we don't, other than how the Aiel bury their dead, I don't think we have, I don't think we see any other, like, funeral rituals in the rest of the world. Um, Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we do. And so I thought it was, it it was nice, right? It was like a nice, um, you know, there is a lot of death in the wheel of time. And so it's nice to kind of have a ritual introduced, even if it's from the books, you know, even if it is just from the IEL. So. Yeah. I, um, you know, I didn't even realize until new spring that like white was the like morning color in uh, the wheel of time. So, um, which I think is pretty cool. You know, there's something like, there's something. That's how it is in Japan. Oh, really? I believe so. I believe white is a funeral color in Japan. Well, it definitely ties in with the whole idea of rebirth in this world, right? Mm-hmm, because it's mm-hmm. like death is not an end. It's only a new beginning. So yeah. it's like white is really fitting for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the color of light rather than the color of dark. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I really liked how we saw this kind of respect that... Uh, they had for this group you know it's like um 
we're still going to bury their dead and we're going to yes. bury ours. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're going to pay a proper respect to this king and he's not our enemy. He was just, you know, on the other side of this one issue. But yeah, he also killed kill our friend Karini. <laughs> yeah, we did have to kill him. But, you know, sometimes just things happen. <laughs> we're one month later and we see our Aes Sedai camp traveling on horseback. Uh, Stepan leads Karini's horse alongside him uh Loghain is being led uh he has like a rope tied around his neck and he's looking like just completely numb totally distraught just like nothing is there um Moraine and Lan are behind all of the others and Lan says uh oh it's a long time since we've been home and Moraine says oh you still think about that as home like she says the saddle is my home this man by my side, she calls him like Moody or something, I forget. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then they uh, look at Nynaeve and Moraine asks Lan if Nynaeve is ready for what waits for her in the White City. And Lan is like, how would I know? And Moraine's like, well, she eats every night by the warder's fire. And Lan is like, yeah, uh, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever lady um and uh she's like uh she's worried about Stepin. and then we cut to Stepin, and he's looking like he also has nothing to live for very much like Loghain kind of a a mirror image of him if you will um Lance says warders are not supposed to outlive their Aes Sedai and Moraine says Stepin is strong he will deliver her ring to the tower uh Lan asks if she thinks that uh the other four are already there and Moraine's like yeah if they are we'll find them and if they're not we'll find them and then uh, we see the white tower in the distance so I just want to say because uh, I don't think this made us into our recording this was this episode is like so hard to recap because it's so much dialogue and it's so much information that we just need to know so it was really hard for me to be like uh, I'm, I, I have to, I'm, I'm like literally recapping like line for line almost. <laughs> <sighs> it was a hard, it was a hard episode to recap. I, I mean, like I could see that. Yeah. Um, I thought the White Tower is beautiful. Very cool. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know why it's, it's more stony than I imagined. Like I imagined yeah. it being a little more like marble mm. rather than, I mean, which like marble is a stone, but like a little like <laughs> less rustic I think um I don't know if you noticed this but like Karini's horse had her boots like in the stirrups backwards oh I did not notice empty that empty and backwards and I found that like a completely haunting image yeah like I think they did as much as I hated this episode and I really hated this episode y'all um oh, Lord. <laughs> there were some really beautiful visuals and that that was something that that struck me like just these empty boots and backwards i don't know it was just such a strong choice to me yeah if i had noticed it i would probably agree with you <laughs> um but i didn't i thought it was really interesting that like at least in the books i'm like well, land sure wouldn't consider <laughs> you know tarp no. allen home like no. or the white tower like to me and i talked about this a little bit and now i have actually finished reading new spring okay um but like they've literally just been like out on their own for like 20 years i don't think they've ever gone well you know i need to i'm not actually sure what happens like in that 20 years between like when we end 
in New Spring and like because obviously like the Emerlin seat changes over right, right. at least one or two times since then and it was like the one Emerlin who was like don't you leave the White Tower and she's like cool peace out yo. Um, I will not and I did you know I loved all that stuff about like Moraine was up to be they wanted to make her like the queen of Kyrian. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never realized that she's like totally related to yeah. Uh, Elaine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, why are they like, oh yeah, this is like kind of our home. Like, you never went there. You probably avoided it at all costs. <laughs> yeah. It was just because even in, later in the episode, right? Like, she hasn't been back in several years and uh, you know her rooms are empty so i don't know yeah it just seemed a little um weird just like it was it was very like we have to uh you know use this dialogue here to make sure everybody knows we're going to where the Aes Sedai live <laughs> you know yeah 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 i don't know um uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, we know that, like, everyone's worried about stepping, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's just a real, like, hey, we're at Tarnal and we made it in the okay. fifth episode and we never go there in the book. But, the, okay. This is my this is my beef with this episode. It feels like a whole lot for very little. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's, like, so. a lot of... I'm like, what's the fuck? What's the point? What's the point? Well, How are we I, moving the story forward here? I think that it will pay off in the later episodes, right? This episode, they're taking a pause after a really great episode with a big epic battle scene right. to give to us have a, a bad lot episode. of information that we need, though. <laughs> but we need right. like so much of this information that comes out in this dialogue, right? To like really be able to understand the world and like where we're going. So in that way, I'm like, okay, I understand that. I'm not sure that this was the best way to do this. Yeah. But I understand that this is like their idea was, okay, now we're going to take like kind of like a a slow episode where we're just going to give you a lot of information that will pay off later. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't mind the fact that it was a slow episode. Like, that's not what bothered me. It was more just like, I think they could have found ways to share this information in a more compelling way. way and that moved the story forward more so all right let's move forward let's see what else is happening because there's so much to just like give my dog is like literally like here play with me play with me (laughs) (laughs) last week it was my cat this week it's your dog he just brought me a toy and is like tug of war tug of war (laughs) so that's what i'm doing while i'm trying to give this recap (laughs) y'all you're a squeak that's what it is All right, so we cut to Rand and Matt on the road with other folks that are walking toward the city. Rand pauses and looks at um, a stone that's on the side of the road. It has, like, some language on it, but clearly not English um, or the common language, as I think English is standing in for. Uh, A child runs past Matt, and he snaps at him, and that disturbs Rand. Rand is like, you okay, mate? And Matt is like, fuck off, man. I'm just tired. (laughs) I haven't been invited in a month. And uh, Rand stops and looks at a large mountain in the distance and is like, that mountain? I, I don't know. I think I've seen it before. And then he heads off the road to an out- overlook and we get our first shot of the entire city of Tarvalon with Dragon Mount looming behind it. 
The boys are in awe. They continue on the road into the city. Uh, the streets are bustling. There's a camel being led through the city. All kinds of animals, all kinds of people. Uh, Rand's like, hey, can I have some of your food? And this lady's just like, hands him a thing for free. Uh, Matt is not hungry, though. Uh, Rand leads them to an inn that Tom told them about, where the innkeeper is an old friend of Tom's. Matt is eager to get to the tower, or I guess kind of eager. And then Rand's like, no, 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 we got to clean up. They're not going to let us in. Uh, So they go, they get into their room, and it's real expensive. And Matt immediately lays down. Matt is like, tell me again, the little girl, the farm. And Rand's like, it wasn't you. It was the Fade. Please believe me. You did not kill that family. But Matt does not seem so sure. Okay. This scene is a good example of how we get a ton of information in a much more compelling way, right? There's this idea in, in, in filmmaking of like, show, don't tell. We are in a visual medium for a reason. This is not a book anymore. It is a TV show. Mm. And I, what I loved about this scene is we, you know, we see that Matt has really changed. We actually see it happen, right? He snaps at this little kid. And while Matt is kind of a dick from the very beginning, right? He's much less happy-go-lucky than he is in the books. He is still, he's got a soft spot for kids because of his sister. And he would never snap at a kid. And he looks fucking terrible. Totally bad. Um... So I, this was a scene that I was like, yes, this is like, this is a plot point that we're moving forward. We're seeing it as opposed to just being told it. Also, love that we see a portal stone. Right? Big fan of that. I was like, ooh, ooh portal stone. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, who knows if we'll actually end up getting introduced to a portal stone in the series. But I like that we at least see it for those of us who are familiar with the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, this was a scene I enjoyed. So uh, I also enjoyed it. What uh, I'm looking forward, and these are big book spoilers, so I'll probably uh, put a spoiler alert in here. Hey everyone, it's Tiffany. If you want to miss this big book spoiler, go ahead and skip ahead to 2010. Skip ahead to 2010. Thanks. But, uh, okay, so the inn here is no longer in Camelin. Tom's innkeeper friend mm-hmm. is not in Camelin. But later on in the series, that innkeeper is like, I'm loyal to the queen and I'm going to, like, take her <gasps> out of the right. city. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little curious about that and where that's going to go and how that's going to get tied up. Um, I thought, you know okay we're kind of like taking Camelin and putting it into Tarvalin. I guess that's fine um yeah I guess that's fine I mean I still am like kind of like but they don't go to the tower yet <laughs> you know yeah um, yeah it's it yeah it just makes me really curious how how they're going to make this work because it's so different I'm fine with it being different but, like, how is that going to happen? Yeah. Like, there's just, so, it just affects so much. I think it's like you said last week, right? It's just dominoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, what's what's going to happen? Is there going to be 
is this a different innkeeper than the innkeeper in like is this another innkeeper that tom knows yeah i feel or, like I that know. would be the easiest way to fix it but like yeah i don't know um don't know. yeah i guess we'll have to see all right we're back in the tower Moraine and Lan are leading Nynaeve through a hallway. Torches burn along the walls, illuminating tall statues of warrior-looking men. They enter a room, and Lan says, this is the warder's quarters. Moraine is like, this is the safest place for you right now, Nynaeve. Stay away from the sisters. Um, Nynaeve is like, where are my friends? And Moraine is like, if they're here, I'll know. And Nynaeve's like, yeah, but if they are, are you going to tell me? And then Moraine is like, do not underestimate the women of this tower. Lots of other information about Aes Sedai and their, like, inner workings. And then, like, if they find you, you're going to be expected to become a novice right away. And Nynaeve is like, if, I, if I'm as powerful as you say I am, maybe it's you, Aes Sedai, who shouldn't underestimate me. And Moraine is like, Mm, okay and then she gives lan a look and sends him off so she can speak with Nynaeve alone and she's like it's all right to be afraid i was afraid too the first time i touched the source you're never going to be the same but it's time you saw that for the gift that it is stay here don't speak to anyone and when you find your friends i will bring you to them and then moraine leaves and Nynaeve is left alone to contemplate i like this scene too actually um, I like that we really get a feel for the Aes Sedai and that it's not just because we're meant to trust Moraine, we can trust everyone, right? Like the way she's like, you cannot, you really can't trust these women. And you know, I thought it was nice to see Nynaeve kind of bluffing a little bit, trying to be like, yeah, I'm tough. And Moraine's like, mm, nah. Yeah. That was very funny. <laughs> I did like that moment too. Um, I really do think they're doing a great job and it just speaks to their acting abilities of like the Moraine and Land Bond. Like they do so much just looking at each other and you're yes. like, okay, I can really see that. Um, so that was great. Another example of that. Um, we learned that probably Nynaeve is going to be trapped at the tower now as a novice uh -huh. because everybody knows she can channel and she's super powerful. Um, uh, but yeah, another reason, like, okay, so why are we at the tower so early? Right. <laughs> That's a long way to get to. She's not going to be able to go. But I guess they're solving that by Moraine being like, stay away. Like, you know, we're not going to be like too obvious that you're here yet. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay, let's cut to the Tuatha on. And they are traveling through the forest, presumably also toward Tarvalin. <laughs> And uh, there's some, their dogs are off to the side. They're eating some animals they killed. Uh, Perrin is like, oh, that's so hypocritical, man, that you let your dogs do that. And you're like anti-violence. He's talking to Aram. Um, and they have another like exchange about violence versus the way of the leaf. And then Egwene runs up and she's like, look, look, it's the White Tower. We made it. Yay. And then suddenly they're stopped by white cloaks. Valda is there and he's questioning uh, Illa about the uh, false dragon. And then he notices Perrin and Egwene in the background. And we recall that he said back in the day that he will always remember their faces <laughs> if he ever sees them again. He's like, those two, bring them to me. And uh, our Tuatha on are like, no fucking way, man. 
And uh, Valda's like, oh, yeah, how are you going to stop me? And then they're like, we're going to link arms and we're going to fold the barrier and you just try to do what you need to do. And then Valda, like, smacks Illa really hard and she's, like, bleeding, but she's like, nope, we're not backing down. And then Valda orders the White Cloaks to start, like, beating them. And Egwene and Parrot and Aram, uh, Aram's like, come with me, we're going to run away, don't worry, the White Cloaks, you know, they're not going to kill Tuathon. And uh, Aram, hello, Aram is trying to lead them uh, to a village nearby that has always been good to them. But he gets knocked out by White Cloaks, and then three of them circle Egwene and Perrin, who are caught. I hated this scene <laughs> so much. You know, I am a, I am a nonviolent person. I believe in nonviolence. Like, it is a, a, a core belief of mine. But this scene was so cheesy. Like, the music that they put under linking their arms, like, the way they did it, I was just like, this is corny as hell. Oh, man. Did you like it? I thought it was so corny. You know, um, I didn't notice the music, so it didn't stand out to okay. me. Um, I was like, I don't know. I was like, okay, nonviolence, the barrier, you know, like we're kind of like getting real, like not that uh, hidden, you know, trying to tie into like nonviolent protests that we've uh-huh, all been uh-huh. through over the you know, especially over the past year. Um, so I was kind of like, eh, about that. But, um, you know, I mean, I did, like, kind of echo, like, hippies, you know? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, so here's the thing, right? Like, I actually, I-, I think this is why I was so frustrated with this scene, because, it's a scene that normally I think I would find very powerful, right? Like, I I greatly admire nonviolent protesting and kind of y- using yourself as a shield and we're going to link arms and, you know, you can hit us, you can do whatever, but we're not, we're not backing down. Like, yeah. I actually find that incredibly moving. Sure. And then they, they, I was just like, I just didn't like the way they did it. Yeah. I was just like, oh. also, That's I have a fair. question. I have a question. Okay. How, like, I, I know that Valda said he was going to remember them, but why does he think that Egwene is Aes Sedai? <sighs> like, why yeah. is he concerned? Like, why, I'm... like, you know what I mean? Like, he sees them, but the way he jumps to, like, aha, you're an Aes Sedai, or there's, like, an issue with you other than, oh, I'm just seeing you again. Like, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why that. I was like, did I miss something? Yeah, I mean, he well, he kind of gets into it later, like, when he's talking to them. But he says that, like, oh, there must be some reason the light put you in my path twice, you know. And he had been, like, skeptical of Moraine and that group in the first place. Mm. So, like, that kind of made sense. My whole deal is, like, this is so different than how, why and how they got captured by the white cloaks in the books. That, like, first of all... Bornhold isn't there or so you Uh know what uh I mean and like the whole conflict for big book spoilers again sorry I'm getting bad about warning but like (laughs) um 
Oh, and also, like, jumping back to that scene where we both were like, that's Pedro and Neil. No, apparently that was Bornholm in that first scene. Oh. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it. Um, uh, I heard another podcast that said that, and then I was like, were we wrong? And then I looked at the actual, like, credits, and yeah. We were wrong. We were totally wrong, <laughs> but that's okay. How are we to know? It's not like they, like, told us who he was. They never say names. Yeah, and then, like... um, Okay, big book spoiler coming again. If you want to miss this one, go ahead and skip ahead to 29. Once again, skip ahead till 29.00. But the whole conflict for the entire series between the White Cloaks and Perrin is through Bornholt. So now oh. that entire thing is changed. So right. I don't know how they're going to land that either. And they're not mad at Perrin. Perrin has not killed any White Cloaks. And like, um, and that's like why he's being chased by them for the rest of the series. And like, you right. know, I don't know. I was like, this is so different. Like, none of that storyline can happen now. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll get more into the parent and um, white cloak stuff in a couple of scenes. Yes. But yeah, just I was like, I what what did I miss? <laughs> literally was like what did i miss yeah i I think i think that was just like you know this guy is like very suspicious of everyone and he is on a major power trip all the time he loves nothing he gets off on torturing Aes Sedai and now he's seeing these two kids and also I think like I think it really doesn't matter to him Mm. if she's an Aes Sedai or not like he just wants to like Torture people. Have some fun. Torture some people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll buy, I'll buy that. Yeah. And he's sure. like, those two seem like they're up to something because they were with this other group before, but now a month later, they're with the Tuatha on? What the fuck? Like, yeah, okay. I think that's what it is. All right. You know what? If I can suspend my disbelief enough to believe that people can throw fireballs, <laughs> I will go ahead and believe that okay. that's his reason. <laughs> Fair, fair. I, honestly, I think he's just uh, out for a good time. Okay. Um, I hate Valda so much. I don't like this character. I didn't like him in the books. I like him worse here for many reasons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're back in Tarvalin. Rand is in the library at the inn, and he's holding a book. It's the Carothian Cycle. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. But needless oh, to say, don't they don't tell us what that actually is, but spoiler alert it is the uh the the prophecy of the dragon reborn okay we hear a low rumbling voice say oh i didn't even hear you come in we see a man i mean a trollic he's large he's uh doesn't quite have human features rand is definitely concerned he pulls his sword on him and he's like stay back and uh, this creature is like, oh, 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 you humans are very excitable. And we find out that he is an Ogier named Loyal, son of Ered, son of Halan. And he says, your name sings in my ears, Randall Thor. Once, you know, Rand introduced himself to. He says, it's so exciting to meet an Aiel man. Uh, and Rand's like, I'm not an Aiel. And he's like, but you have red hair. I was, I thought that only Aiel people have red hair. And he's like, no, no, I'm just a kid from the two rivers. And he's like, an Aiel man from the two rivers. That's strange. And he's like, no, no, literally, I'm not an Aiel. <laughs> <laughs> and Loyal's like, oh, but... 
that's so odd, an Aiel man from the two rivers who says he's not an Aiel man. I like oddities. I like you, Rand. And then Rand picks up another book, and uh, Loyal's like, why would the travels of Jane Farstrider make you sad? And uh, Egwene used to read it every day, we learned. She thought she was literally Jane reincarnated. Loyal takes that statement literally and starts off on a spiel about the Wheel of Time. Rand cuts him off and he's like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden there's a commotion outside. Rand goes to the window. Loyal tells him that it's the procession of the Aes Sedai returning with the false dragon. Rand sees Matt walking out in the street and gets concerned and he hurriedly leaves. Loyal wants to go with him, but Rand rushes off and is like, see you later, pal. Uh, In the street, Rand sees Matt sitting up on a balcony and then, blinking you'll miss it, Pawn and Fane is seen laughing underneath the street in like a little <gasps> hidden corner. I missed it. Oh, well. <laughs> Thank you for your recap, Tiffany. <laughs> I only caught it the first time because I had the captions on and it like very specifically was like man laughing and I was like, is that Pawn and Fane? And uh, yeah, it is. So there you go. Uh, and then we cut to drums and Stepin is leading the procession with Karini's horse and like the people in the streets, like they know what that means and they kind of like, oh man. I said I's dead. Uh, and then um, Rand joins Matt up in the balcony. And uh, he's like, thanks for saving me a seat. And Matt is just like staring at Loghain, who's still just like, Loghain is like, you would not even know he's alive. He's just like so out of it. Um, he's talking, Matt is talking about how uh, they say that that Loghain, the false dragon that he could channel and it drove him mad. Um, the whole crowd is like throwing like, vegetables at his cage and then suddenly Loghain turns and sees Matt and looks up at him with like this crazy huge grin and it's like a total change from like Loghain's demeanor and Loghain starts laughing hysterically and we're going back and forth from like Loghain laughing hysterically at Matt to Matt and Loghain laughing hysterically at Matt and then Rand is like Matt and then we cut back to Loghain uh, who's just in this like normal downtrodden thing and we're like did that actually just happen? Um, and then Matt's like, okay, Rand, let's make a deal. If it is one of us and one of us can channel, don't let the other one go mad like that. That's the end of that scene. Okay, a lot here. I love that we meet Loyal. I love Loyal. Just like his character, I love. Um, I will have to say, this is the first actor I don't like, though. Mm, interesting. Hot take. He, hot take. I know. I just... He uses his hands a lot, and it really bugs me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's the first one I don't like. But I love Loyal as a character a whole lot, so I'm hoping that this actor grows on me. Yeah, my big beef with it is that Loyal's not big enough. Oh. (laughs) Why are you so small? I don't understand. I think he's pretty big. He's like the same size as Rand. No, he's bigger. Yeah, no. They're like the same height. Really? Okay, I'll yeah. go back and look. Yeah, I felt, well, I immediately was like, that is not big enough to be loyal. Like, he does mm. not. But um, but his voice was, like, very, it just reminds me so much of, like, the voices that the, like, uh, audiobook readers try to do for loyal, <laughs> which I always was like, oh, come on. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that that's, that he's exactly what I imagined loyal would look like, but... Mm-hmm. Um, 
I see what you mean about his hands, but maybe he's just trying because they did make his hands really big. Yeah. Even though he's not very big, so maybe yeah. that's why he's like, "Look, I'm big. I'm just gonna move my hands around a lot. <laughs> Look at my big hands. <laughs> Look, I'm big. I swear." Oh gosh, yeah. So so far, I'm I'm not super sold on loyal in this episode either. But mm. um, also, where are his ears? Yeah, I want his twitchy ears. Yeah, they didn't. And yeah, and I was just like, okay, well, he's first of all, like, he's way smaller than a trollic. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the whole yeah. like they should have made him bigger. He's supposed to be like kind of mistaken. Like, oh, is that a trollic or is it an ogier? You know? Right. I right. mean, at least to like a like a, you know. A guy from the two rivers who's never seen anything in his whole life but like right um i don't know i just i wasn't happy with how they made him look yeah anyway all right yeah. so yeah and then the rest of the scene between matt and rand i liked i thought that moment with matt when he was like if it's one of us like we can't let the other one go crazy like i thought i thought that was really sweet like now matt is matt is also thinking maybe he's the dragon reborn which i feel like will help you know the one thing that bothered me about matt in the book series is that he was such a bad friend to rand like when he became (laughs) you know like he was just like i'm staying as far away from that guy as i can so i'm hoping like they like uh you know maintain a better friendship like Mm -hmm. throughout Mm mm-hmm I think all of all of our main characters, um, you know, all of our Two Rivers folks in this series are much more bonded and caring oh, totally. with each other than they were in the books. And I, I really I really love that because I think I think that 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 the end of the books and kind of how everybody ends up like resolving with each other makes a whole lot more sense because they're they really do love each other and you know yeah i i actually really like that and i i agree um do you think that this moment between matt and logan is where blood calls blood is from like where that like is that what they're referring to with blood calls blood Mm. no No. <laughs> I actually hadn't considered where blood calls blood from, but I would give, um, uh, I don't know, my, my inkling would be. Uh, no, now I, the, what? Yeah, now I also don't think it is because then I remember the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, but it could also be Dragon Mount calling to round. Ooh. All right, we have a couple of different ideas of, of where it, what it could be. Yeah, interesting. All right, what did you think of this uh, chunk of scenes? Well, I was excited that like you know got the little like hidden pot and fame, so I'm sure they'll run into him probably next episode. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I was like, oh, that's really crazy that Logan's just like laughing at Matt like that. But then I was like, oh, that's not actually happening. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, this is, this is bizarre. But, yeah. Just Matt's gone but, crazy. Uh, but yeah, just like, you know, more development, more development. Uh, I like that we meet Loyal. Like, clearly, you know, now we know for sure this is like transplanted from Camelin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, 
yeah otherwise i'm just kind of like okay yeah I'm, i mean i totally agree with what you were saying i love that our like two rivers characters are more um connected none of them are are just like telling each other that they belong on their mom's apron strings or like yeah. they need their bottoms paddled or like you know it's like <laughs> no none of that is there yeah, they just they like really like... uh love and look out for each other yeah yeah i like that yeah um all right cool so now we're back in the tower uh stepan is being dressed in white by maxim and uh ivan lan enters and he asks how the procession went uh, Stepan says he hasn't worn white since his father's funeral and tells the story about how he met Karini and became her warder. Uh, when he's done, Maxim is like, stop your whining. And, uh, you know, they're kind of like trying to like liven up. Uh, Stepan is like joking about Alana and her thirst for warders. And then Lan is like, you can be one of those warders, you know, like, um, you know, the best way for a warder is, like, you know, get a new Aes Sedai. And, uh, and then Stefan is like, you first lose Moraine and then tell me how easy it is to jump from one Aes Sedai to the next. Um, Stefan says it's time. He walks out, followed by the other three warders. They're, like, walking through the hallway. And there's other warders that are, like, all lined up and down the hallway. Um, and then he goes out to a landing of the tower where there's a large bowl of fire. Um, he kisses Kareni's ring. He drops it into the fire where it melts into like a ring of melted metal that's around the edge of the fire. Um, and then we cut back to Lan, who's entering Moraine's room. Uh, they look at each other. Lan kneels in front of her. He's emotional. They're like holding hands. They don't actually say anything to each other. And then the scene ends. So. Um, okay. I'm going to try to not be such like a fucking naysayer on this episode. I'm just very crabby about this whole episode. I'm going to try to be a little more positive. Visually beautiful. Right? Like that ring of fire, that molten metal I thought was really beautiful. Um, I think the relationships that that we see with the warders is is really beautiful you see how they care for each other um i think the advice is kind of funny where it's like you know the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody else right okay (laughs) um you know it is like that is the thing no no it it is the thing it absolutely is the thing they Um, need that bond Right. And for those of you who you haven't read the books, like that is the best way for a like a warder to, to get over the death of his Aes Sedai um, in the books. But like, why? Why are we spending so... Why is this episode about Stepan and Karini? Why? Yeah, There's it is interesting. so much more important things to think of to to be telling the story of like this doesn't happen in the book this has nothing to fucking do with anything well okay fair but yes reel me in please tiffany they really want us to understand this Aes Sedai warder bond, like, really bad. And the best way to show us what's going to happen when, if Lan, if one of, if Lan or Moraine dies, or if, like, 
um, you know, jumping ahead to the future. If other people we love are bonded to people and one of them dies, the best way for us to understand what's going to happen if that happens is seeing Stepan and Karini go through okay. this. Okay. Okay. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm just like, <sighs> yeah, I just spent the whole episode being like, why are we spending so much time on this? I, I actually really liked it. I mean, I okay. did like like actually seeing this, seeing these okay. rituals that we don't know about these rituals in the book. They like made them up, but you know, right. they're pretty cool. They're, uh, they're I definitely was cool. It's like, definitely, yeah, it's definitely cool. I, I definitely didn't think it was going to be dragged out as long because when he walked out in the tower to that flame, I was like, oh, he's going to jump. He's going to totally jump. <laughs> And he didn't, obviously. And I was like, is this the flame of Tarvalin? But, you know. Yeah, I just, okay, I see your point. And I do do think that's a fair point to make. I just, like, give us one or two scenes. Not the whole fucking episode. Yeah, I do. um, Yeah, I gotta just feel, I mean, I'm trying to just feel like the showrunners hopefully know what they're doing and that we're going to have our answer to why they spent this episode doing this in the next one. Yeah. Look, I would love to swallow my words about this, right? (laughs) Like, I was really pissy that they made everything so dark. And then three episodes later, I swallowed my words because I was like, you know what? It works. I was wrong. So I really hope I am wrong again. But yeah, at the moment, I was just like... (sighs) Are we spending all this time? But but I thought visually it was stunning. There's there's other there's big other parts of this episode that I have so many questions about. Okay okay yes let's get to them. Okay let's all keep right. moving on. All right so um uh we're back in the white cloak camp. There's several white cloaks who are undressing and scrubbing Egwene while she's just pretty hysterical. Um and then we're cutting back and forth to Valda walking through the camp. Um they dress her in white. They undo her braid. Uh, in Valda's tent, they tie her hands to a chair. He's eating, of course, a cooked pig. Uh, they drag Perrin in and they tie him over like a bench table type of thing. Um, Egwene is begging for Valda to let them go. Valda reveals that he thinks Egwene is an Aes die, but then he's like, but if she was one, she would channel. And since she isn't one... Uh, he won't take her hands, or he would have taken her hands already if she is an Aes Sedai. And then he tells us that, oh, you know, an Aes Sedai told me once that they actually don't need their hands to channel. And, uh, you know, they're going back and forth. Um, and uh, he says, the light must have brought you before me twice for a reason. And Egwene is just tough as nails facing off against him. Um, he motions he tells her about the rings that are in his collection of like all this Aes Sedai he kills um she's basically like in his face like you kill me or not just do it if you're gonna do it um and then uh he pours blood over a knife and he cuts Perrin's back and when Perrin feels the pain we see his eyes glow yellow uh he uh and Vald is telling us that he hates the Aes Sedai because they are walking like gods among men and that the idea that the one power comes from anywhere other than the dark is just absurd um so then Valda gives him kind of an ultimatum he says either Egwene channels and if she does he'll kill her and Perrin will live uh if she doesn't channel he's gonna kill Perrin 
either one way, one of them is going to die. And then he leaves them to decide. I probably didn't do great justice to like their dialogue in this, but I was no, writing I thought, really I thought you had the important this morning, points. trying to get it done. Yeah. No, okay, I thought you had you. the important points. So, first of all, why is this man always eating when he's going to torture somebody? I think it's to like, show... We want to... I think it's to show, like, how calm he is. Like, it's, this isn't anything to him. He can eat while he does it. Well, he's also, like, super, like... We're, we're being told that he is uh, gluttonous. He's, like, uh, a guy who's in, like, to, you know, like, the sensual brutality of mm. killing and torture. I don't know. Yeah. It's disgusting. I- he's disgusting. I hate him. <laughs> we hate him. We hate him. Um, um, why was he pouring blood over the knife? Whatever. That was, I was like, that seems excessive. Yeah. Was it blood or was it wine? I thought it was wine. Oh, I was like, it must be blood. He, of course, just has a pitcher of blood just hanging out, ready for this. <laughs> but maybe it was wine. Maybe it was nice. He was like, I'm going to put wine on the knife to, like, disinfect it. And that's then I'm what gonna I cut with. Oh, that's funny. I was like, no, it's blood. He's gross. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was to disinfect it. Um, oh. Well, I guess that's nice. Yeah. Well, Whatever. because he wants to drag out the pain. If it gets infected, then he'll die faster. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It also seems like a more painful death if it's infected, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked this scene. Uh, I like that Perrin's eyes turn yellow when he's in pain. I mm-hmm. think that was a nice, um, it's a nice intro. It's yeah. a nice intro to what's going to happen with Perrin. You know, that this kind of, like, bestiality takes over. I think that's cool. Um, I also felt very vindicated that that he was like, I heard that I said I don't actually need their hands and it's a crutch. And I was totally. like, Aha. Yeah. I was like, Good. thank you for working that in. Yes. Um yeah, and this was my scene where I, I was like, what did I miss? Like, why does he think she's Aes Sedai? But as to your earlier point, like, now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, and I really liked his explanation of why they hate Aes Sedai so much because I never really, I never fully understood it in the books. Um, but to have him say that, like, it is a power, the one power is reserved for the creator, and it is from the creator, and the reason, it, and it is, like, blasphemy that people can touch it. So that blasphemy, that blasphemous ability must come from the Dark One. Mm. See, you just, uh, you, you recapped that way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. Like, right? Because I think it's it's not that the power itself is evil, but that the power is the person who, like, the person who gave the power to people instead of reserving it for the creator must be the dark one because he's trying to fuck with the creator. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, that made sense to me. I really liked that. Egwene, just tough as nails. Oh, so good off his nails she's like fuck you you're gonna do it fucking do it she's so great i she love really the queen 
However. All right, let's move on. We got a lot more to cover. Yeah. All right. A knock on Nynaeve's door. It's Steppen. He's hoping to get some tea to help him sleep. It's called Goat's Tongue. Uh, she gives him a small packet of it. Once he has, uh, he says, oh, sorry. He says the only thing he has left of Karini is the pain. So he wants to make sure he's not going to be without the pain. He's not ready to let go of it yet. Um, and she's like, don't worry. I promise the pain will never go away. Um, and then Stepan leaves, uh, but he leaves the door cracked. And Nynaeve is like, hmm. And then so she like wanders out in the hall. Um, and she's looking at the statues of warders. And suddenly Leandrin is there. She's like, oh, escape, did you? Um, and they have like a little exchange where um, uh, Nynaeve is like, apparently only wrote down Nynaeve's side of this conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, Leandrin, ah! Uh, uh, she's like, reds don't have warders. Is it because you hate men? And uh, Leandrin's like, oh, is that a question or a statement? Um, and then she says, Leandrin says, so apparently I wrote down some of what she said, um, women hold the one power, but men still control much of this world. And they are rarely kind to women who show a spark of being greater than they are. Um, and then uh, she's like, oh, but you should enjoy your freedom. That way leads to the library and to the gardens. The persimmons are in season. And then she leaves and Nynaeve's like, ugh, snake. But she doesn't say that. She just looks after her contemptuously <laughs> yeah um yeah so you know just again like just info information yeah. being given out here uh Stephen needs some tea to sleep that's gonna come up later this is just like foreshadowy 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 i thought it was a sweet a sweet moment between them um and i enjoy seeing a different side of leandrin and i really like um I think this is another instance where we get reasoning that we, we get a reason for things being the way they are that we don't get in the books, right? Like in the books, we're just told, oh, reds hate men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's pretty shallow, right? And so here we get more depth and more understanding and we see, um, we see the pain that Leandrin faced and led to her choice of being a red. I like that. Yeah. A little nod to our current world. Yeah. Um, That that men still control much of the world. Because I don't really, like, feel like that's the case in in the Wheel of Times world, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, Like, it mm -hmm. really feels like uh, women, if anything, are holding the strings in the Wheel of Time. But here, you know, I feel like that's, like, a little more of, like, a nod to our own patriarchal society that we live in yeah let's yeah. all be reds no just kidding we hate <laughs> leandrin although i'm like very curious about where they're going with leandrin's character but Me we'll too. get more of that later um okay so we're back in rand's room at the inn and rand is tending to matt and loyal is knocking at rand's door and he's like randall thor do you know that Ogier have access to the White Tower grounds? I went there and I found the woman that you spoke of. Clearly mistaking uh, Nynaeve for Egwene. But Nynaeve enters and Rand is like, oh my god, holy shit, you're alive. And they embrace and she's like immediately concerned over Matt's state. Um, she goes to Matt. Matt, even in all of his like sickness, is like so happy to see her um, and happy that she's alive. Um, and then she goes to like... 
uh, check him out and touch him. And he's like, don't touch me. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then she's like, no, no, just sleep. You need your rest. And then they're outside the room and it's just Rand and Nynaeve. And Rand tells Nynaeve that he thinks Matt can channel. He hasn't seen it, but Matt is definitely losing himself. Um, he says, I know Moraine said that we have to go to the tower, but can we trust her? We saw what the Aes Sedai did to the false dragon. And Nynaeve is like, we don't need Aes Sedai. We're two rivers folk. Uh, I'll heal what I can. When Egwene and Perrin get here, we're going to sort out the rest. And then Rand is like, I haven't seen Egwene in a month. And Nynaeve's like, she's alive. And she tells the story of Egwene surviving a really bad, deathly illness when she was 10. And she says, above all, Egwene is unbreakable. Mm, love it. I do. And it's great. great. Yeah, this was a great scene. It was beautiful to see them reunite. Um, again, love that just like they all love each other. They're so happy to see each other. Yeah. Um, they they don't talk about it explicitly in the series, but in the books, um, when Nynaeve learns that she can channel, one of the ways that um, one of the ways that Moraine convinces her that she can already channel is by telling her how. Um, when an Aes Sedai has healed somebody, there is a bond and they will always be able to feel that bond with that person. Mm. So that is how she knows Egwene is still alive. Oh. Because she healed her when she was a kid from breakbone fever. I did not catch that. Yeah. Well, Very I literally, nice. yeah, I literally just read it <laughs> like two days ago. So I was like, nice. ha. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I love how we get the line, Egwene is unbreakable, and then immediately cut back to Egwene, who's trying desperately to channel within Valda's tent. Uh, Perrin is like, stop it. I deserve to die. I killed Layla, and tells her the story of how he killed Layla. Um, Valda comes in to see what their decision is. Um, and he's like, oh, well, no decision is still a decision. He's going to bleed out. Uh, and then Egwene is like, um, still trying to channel while telling him, it was an accident, Perrin. Someday you're going to see that it was just an accident. Um, Valda cuts Perrin's eyes, or his back again, and his eyes flash yellow again. Egwene channels a very small fireball and tosses it at Valda. And he's like, uh, and it like dissipates before it hits his chest. And he's like, did you think you could kill me that easily? No. Uh, but what she was actually doing is distracting him while she was burning through Perrin's restraints. Uh, Perrin gets out of his restraints. He embraces the wolf and approaches Valda. We get a close-up of Perrin's golden eyes. Valda's like, light, protect me. What are you? And he's like, clearly, like, never seen anything like Perrin before. And then Egwene stabs Valda in the shoulder. And then the two of them run, take that opportunity and run out of the tent. Uh, the camp is in total chaos. There's wolves everywhere that are attacking all of the white cloaks. One of the wolves is, like, snarling at Perrin and Egwene. But Perrin knows... They're not going to hurt them. And then they run away. Great scene. Yeah. Totally different than the book, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great scene. Um, oh, shoot. I had a question. Oh, yeah. This scene just reminded me, though. What about parents' trollic injury? Oh, my gosh. What about it? Like, where to go? Well, you know, it's maybe it's still there. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. That was the thing that I just, for whatever reason, this scene made me remember. Like, wait a minute. He was yeah. already hurt. What happened yeah. to that? Um, uh, 
Yeah, I love this revenge against Bornholm, but like literally what is, so now that the entire White Cloak conflict against our heroes is going to be against Egwene or like yeah. through Valda, like Bornholm's not there. The other guy who was like Bornholm's like, uh, whatever that guy's name was, mm-hmm. you know, said, the one that like yeah. actually ends up like letting them go yeah in the books like he's not there or i don't know he's maybe somewhere getting eaten by a wolf right now right i don't know i mean i assume i mean look they're still gonna go after perrin because he's got yellow eyes and like what is what evil thing is that um but they're definitely gonna want to go after Egwene too Mm -hmm. so i don't And White Cloaks are definitely still going to die, even though Perrin isn't the direct cause of the death. Like, he didn't actually kill the White Cloaks. But I think Mm -hmm. the, um, I I think the golden eyes will be enough of a thing to to still make them chase him the whole time. Yeah, and I like your um, point that, like, they are causing the indirect death of White Cloaks, so then we can still get that. Yeah. They're chasing them for that reason. And the wolves are there, and that's got to be, a like, a thing of the darkness. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they will sort of just circle back, and, you know, the, the storyline will still be there, but it's just slightly different. Yeah. And also, I love her little uh, distraction. I know. That was so good. Also, <laughs> I think it goes to show how powerful she is, because she's completely untrained, but still oh, yeah. manages to weaves almost simultaneously yep perfect control you know for someone who's untrained like that's that's very impressive she's split amazing. your split your flows that way unbreakable <laughs> all right back in the white tower leandrin stops moraine in the hall she's like oh how long have you been gone moraine two years and now you come back with such a prize where is my nave um, and then she's like, the trouble with coming and going is that you're not going to be here to guide Nynaeve. And then Morian's like, you think she's going to choose Red, the wisdom from the two rivers whose first channeling heals the dying. And then Leandrin's like, oh, yeah, the yellows are going to be desperate for her. But um, uh, but Nynaeve also has this like firm belief that the world would be better if everybody followed the rules, which apparently is what Leandrin thinks the Reds are about. Um, and then, uh, and then Maureen's like, yeah, but she doesn't hate men. <laughs> uh, look for your con- converts elsewhere. That's that. Um, yeah. So we just see a little tension between Leandrin and Maureen. I have a question about this scene though. Oh, do you? Why was she stroking Maureen's face? <laughs> I think it's a power move. Yeah. It's and Leandrin like, is like, hmm. well, that's the thing like about Leandrin, like. I don't here's my question about Leandrin are they like um well this is uh, we're gonna get here like a little bit like in like two scenes when Moraine's talking with Alana but are they setting up to like not have Elida and like is Leandrin gonna be Elida oh yes I think that's I think that yes but then okay book spoiler this is book spoilers Yet another big book spoiler for you all. To skip it, go ahead and move on forward to 105.08. So, wait a minute. But if they do do with that, and this is major book spoilers, but if they do do that, and then she becomes 
Amerlin's seat. She's already a black. But so is then she? She's gotta be. Right? She's That's what I'm be. saying. Like, you can't complete Elida and Leandra. And, like, one but is then, a black Aja and one is not. Right. Well, and then you would get rid of Alviarin. Right? Alviarin. Mm-hmm. However you say her name. Well, I don't maybe know. Maybe you wouldn't. I, mean, I think Alviarin would still be there, maybe. Oh, but, her oh, whole... but you're saying then she wouldn't need, so maybe then, like, Leandrin as Amerlin would be, like, a dark friend, Amerlin, and right. therefore you wouldn't need Alviarin. She would right. be the one who's like, okay. Right. Yeah, maybe. And then you I... miss, but you miss all of, like, I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. I, it felt like I maybe think... that's what they're setting up here, though. I think you're right. I think they're, I think they are absolutely doing that because they're already talking about the divisions in the tower yeah which i don't hate i don't hate that hmm i don't yeah, hate that i um i totally understand that there's way too many isodias in the book so like you do need to like combine <laughs> some of them yeah um but it'll be interesting to see where this goes because yeah. like Leandrin gets so well they both end up Leandrin and Elida both end up very punished in the books um I think they're going to combine them and I think that she is going to be black and we'll just have a black Omerlin interesting I think that's where it's going yeah I guess you don't you don't have to make like too many changes for that because the keeper was so yeah the keeper was black. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to go from that scene uh, to Lan and Stepan. So Stepan has, like, all these figurines in front of him, and he's, like, doing, like, kind of, like, a ceremony with, like, maybe, like, sage or something burning. Um, and uh, he's making an offering to ward off the forsaken, which I think is the first time we hear that term. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, Lana's like, oh, who are you specifically trying to like protect yourself from? And Stefan's like, oh, I'm trying to ward off Ishamayel, the father of lies, because I need to be able to see the truth. Um, and then Lana's like, do you believe it? And they like talking about the, you know, the forsaken sold their souls to the dark one for eternal life. So even if they are locked away, um, eternity is a very long time. That seems to have some double meaning. So Lan is like, uh, enough. I'll stay with you until the morning. I I really like that they created this whole idea of uh, the Forsaken as like little figures and we're warding them off. There's this kind of pagan ritualism that's going on here. Um I I really liked that because we don't have any of that in the book. Um, I think it's a great way to introduce them, a great way to show us that people don't really believe them and believe in them anymore. They almost think of them as like uh, just children's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I don't know. There's something I really I really loved about it. I really loved the figures themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I really I really dug this scene. Um, so quickly back to some book spoilers. So I I've been like kind of rereading the Eye of the World and those chapter things, and like mm-hmm. um, it just occurred to me in this reread, and I don't know why I didn't before that Ishamael was never really cap like he was never really confined. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So he's been like just touching the world this entire time. So no. So that's not quite right. So he has been he's closest to the surface and there's like cycles and so there are times when he can touch the world and times when he can't oh okay because i I was like wait how is this shamayel just like out like making loose there and crazy when he like (laughs) makes dragon mount you know what i mean all right here's a double spoiler alert if you want the history lesson on Ishamayel, go ahead and skip ahead to 108.15 or to miss the history lesson entirely, skip ahead to 110.15. Yeah, because I was reading about the, uh, you know, the Balsamon dreams and how Balsamon mm-hmm. is like, and, you know, obviously first read, you don't know that Balsamon is Ishamayel. Right. Um, and he's saying, like, I've never been confined. I was, like, whispering into Archer Hawkwing's ear and like you know doing this other thing with this person during this war so okay so Ishamael at first believed that he had escaped the entrapment at Shailgul and indeed he was free to move and confront Luz Theron um, but then it, that began driving him mad he believed that the Dark One was sealed away again forever and he was left alive but without immortality in a world which was rapidly being destroyed um, but his connection to the Dark One held protecting him from the taint on Sidon. But sometime after Luz Theron's death, he discovered that he had not escaped at all. He began to fade, to grow tenuous, until he was drawn to the trap of the seals. Roughly a thousand years later, though, the process reversed itself. He began to find himself back in the world of men, first at intervals in a wispy form, then more solidly until finally he seemed to be again whole and in the ordinary world. The, resort, the result of his efforts this time was the Trollic Wars. But he was not more to get them... He wasn't able to do more than get them started, really. He founded the Black Aja um, in this period. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So then... Within a matter of 20 years or so, the process reversed itself again, and he faded back into the seals. The second time the cycle cast him out, in the same way, slowly, he found a world being unified uh, by Arthur Hawkwing. And he was able to turn Hawkwing's distrust of Aes Sedai into something more. So, he gets spun out. And this is like... Definitely not anything they made clear in the books. Like, you no. literally have to read that and like, figure that out. Oh, yeah. gosh. They're like, so, oh, maybe we should, like, uh, tell people what we meant. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, I just read that from uh, the Wheel of Time Companion. Yeah. And so he's been, he's been able, he's been spun out or, like, released out three times. Wow. Yeah. No way would you ever know that. Yeah. That's no very way. strange. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Moving right along, Alana and Moraine are in uh, Moraine's room. And um, uh, Moraine is like, do you think Stepin will accept your offer? And Alana's like, I don't know. When a warder loses his eyes to die, the pain is so deep. It's almost like he swallowed her death. Um, And then Moraine is like, I read once that there's a way to release the bond. And then Alana's like, no, 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 don't do that. Lan has nothing to worry about. You're going to be here with us a long time yet. Um, and then she's like, what have you been doing out there all these years anyway? And, uh, Maureen's like, mm, I don't have to tell you that. And then, uh, a lot is like, oh, hey, the Amerlin is returning from Camelin and she's out for blood trying to find out like what happened. Um, 
uh, to lo- with the Loghain situation. And then um, she's kind of implying, like, oh, maybe Moraine should become Amarlin. And Moraine is like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, no, thank you. Um, and then she's like, well, more and more sisters are listening to Leandrin. So you have two very powerful enemies here for someone who is never here. And then Alana's like, before she leaves, she's like, oh, you have to trust somebody with your secrets, Moraine. Otherwise, you know, they're going to fester inside you. La, la, la. And Moraine's like, get out. Um, and then uh, Moraine opens like like a, like a picture frame thing. And it's like a woman looking out of a window. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. Like, why? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I was like trying to think of what it could be or what the point is or what, what it's supposed to be in the books. And I just kept coming up blank. And this is, like, very, like, all this, like, she has two powerful enemies. This is just Swan and, and Moraine making people think that they, like, are spoiler, at odds spoiler, with each other. Spoiler. Oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. all part of their plan. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to get to that plan before the end of this series, so yeah. I think. Hopefully. I think we are. We're going we're gonna to see Swan soon, and they have somebody cast as young Swan, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So we'll see it soon. But uh, still spoilers for those who haven't um, read it quite yet. I liked the scene. We just learned. It was just more exposition. It was just, yeah. it was just learning totally. um, what's going on in this world. I Why do. a secret woman by a window? I don't understand. I don't understand. What is that? Uh-huh. And why was it covered up? Like I, there, was, there was just, there was literally nothing about that that I understood. Maybe they'll let us know soon. Maybe. I'm sure we'll come back to it. It has to be like a Chekhov's gun. Well, we thought the same thing about Perrin's trollic injury. Well, maybe it'll come back (laughs) 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 too. I don't know. We still don't know what Tavarin are, so hey. (laughs) Right, exactly. Good thing we know that there are four Tavarin in the two rivers. We have no idea what that is. No idea oh, what a Tavarin is. Except apparently, like, if I didn't know what a Tavarin is, I would probably assume it by this point that a Tavarin means, like, a possible dragon reborn. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd probably think that. Yeah. Um, I do want to pause real quick and just talk about um, Alana's outfit. I love it. <laughs> like, everybody kind of has, like, their own outfit, which apparently they all just have the same outfit that they wear all the time. Yeah. Which I, I think know. is kind of funny. Like, it's change. very funny, especially, like, in New Spring, where Maureen is just, like, buying, like, 20 dresses, like, every, yeah. like, two cities, because she keeps <laughs> losing them, because she's trying to run away all the time. Um, but out of all of the Aes Sedai's outfits, hers is my favorite. It's That's very beautiful. I was not paying enough attention to what the Aes Sedai, although I did notice, like, I was still, like, Maureen's outfit's really cool in this scene. It's cool. Yeah. Leandrin's got her thing that she wears. Like, they all kind of just wear the same thing. Yeah. I all definitely the time. noticed the braids in Leandrin's hair. I feel like they're getting more pronounced. Mm. Well, definitely check out Alana's outfit. It's very beautiful. I will. I will. They're great. Well, she is, you know, she's a, a woman of uh, carnal delights. So I'm sure her clothing <laughs> also, like, is <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so now we're back to Stepan and Lan, and, and they're drinking tea and talking in Stepan's room. And Stepan is, like, talking about, like, the possibility of becoming one of Alana's warders. And he's like, I've never been with a man. And Lan's like, two men. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, two men. Uh, I guess there's a first time for everything. And then Lan's like, well, they might not even want you. And then Stepan's like, what's not to want? 
I thought that was a cute little exchange. Um, and then he's like, but tell me about the wisdom. And Lan's like, uh, there's nothing to tell. And he's like, Stepan's like, I have eyes. Um, she touched the power for the first time to save your life. And then Lan's like, and she hasn't talked to me since. And then Stepan's like, oh, she's fallen for you. And Lan's like, that is a bad idea for her. Uh, and then Stefan's like, well, love is a bad idea for everyone, but we still allow it to happen or life would be intolerable. And then Lana's like, I can tolerate a lot. So cute nice scene. Little, yeah. Life exchange scene. Just cute. <sighs> Which is definitely setting us up for the morning when the morning comes and Lan is like asleep. Stefan's not there. Lan has clearly been knocked out by that tea that, uh, Nynaeve had given Stefan before and Stefan's gone. And he's like really groggy, Lan is, and he's like, what's going on? And then he notices a dagger is missing from the mantle. So he rushes out into the hall, and then there's like a very like echoey, silent, slow motion as he's like running to find Stefan. And then he finds him kneeling in front of a statue, and he's taking his own life. And he kneels down next to him and puts his hand and his head on his shoulder. Hmm. It was sad. It was really sad. Yeah. And then we cut to all the warders who are in white, um, lined around the room. One of them starts a low chant. And then there's an older man who's a warder who seems to be like the head warder, probably, or something of some kind of authority. Um, and he says, a land Mandragoran, place your hand on him. Relieve us of our grief. And then we see that Moraine and Nynaeve and Alana are also there. Lan approaches Stepan's body in his uh, casket. He kneels. He places his hand on um, on Stepan's chest, and then the older man starts uh, beating his chest in like a oh, rhythm. And then all the men in the room start to follow, and they're all beating their chests. And then uh, Lan looks up, and he catches eyes with Moraine, and we can see that they can clearly feel each other's grief. Um, and then Lan starts to beat his chest. And then Moraine starts, and then Alana starts, and then Lan begins to scream out his grief. And then Nynaeve is kind of not sure what to do. Um, And then we end with Lan, who's screaming, and we get another aerial shot of all the men uh, around the body. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. So now we know what made Lan do that thing. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, I did appreciate that it was this ritual, right? Because we were, like, debating the whole time. Like, Lan would never show that much of emotion. But it's, like, Mm -hmm. clearly, like, the warders are so stoic that one of them is going to be channeling the grief for all of them. So I actually didn't get that until just now when you said, relieve us of our grief. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's why, because it's his job to, to, to have that feeling for all of them. So I actually, like, didn't get yeah. it until your, re- <laughs> until your recap. So thank you. I'm finding this podcast useful. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think when I was watching it, I was just so caught up on, like, why are we taking all this time with these characters? But, um you know, I, I'm a little more okay with it now after your your take on it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just going to be, like, 
it was the easiest way for the but it's it's amazing that they had to like redo the plot so much to be able to show us this but obviously like they need to show it with characters who are not important to the rest of the storyline right yeah and so kareni and stepan were the way to do that because they don't actually exist in the book series Mm -hmm, aside mm -hmm. from in the prologue where kareni dies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by different means um so I do think it was smart of them to kind of show these rituals. I like seeing the rituals. It makes like the, the world feel really full for me. And mm-hmm. like, um, I like seeing uh, Lan interact with other warders, I mm-hmm. think is really mm-hmm. interesting. I, lo- you know, I loved the scene where Ivan and, and Maxim were dressing Stepan mm-hmm. uh, earlier. I'm not sure yeah. if I mentioned that when we talked about that scene, but yeah, just seeing the bond between the warders, like, like these lone wolves right but that and it's like the only people and i think that maxim actually is the one who says like the tower this is my chosen family basically like this is um you know because he's like i hated my dad shut up (laughs) yeah and then he's like the no the tower is like the closest thing to family and just like you know that there's a powerful bond between all the sisters but there's also this powerful bond between all the men they're like the only people who can understand this very intense experience that they have to do and this higher calling that they have yeah. um yeah so i liked I, it i thought yeah. maybe this director leaned in a little too much to the aerial shots mm. they're beautiful but we had like several of them in the show so yeah but like... it's also a totally new location yeah <laughs> okay. i didn't mind it i didn't okay. mind it i liked it uh i like i'll tell you what I like the aerial shots more than I like the feet shots. Hilarious. <laughs> I'll take aerial shots any day. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're taking a lot of time to like really show like what, and you can't, you know, you need the aerial shot to get the, everybody's in a circle. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I'm being I dumb. Think, no, it's, I mean, I was, I'm angry about the whole episode generally, so it's fine. You can have your beef. But... I, I mean, I liked this. I actually liked this episode. Oh, I think we needed good. all the information we get in the episode, and uh, I'm really curious about this Leandrin angle. I am curious about that. Yeah. Here's here's the other reason that I liked the uh, the like overhead shots was like we can see like the whole ritual more, and I think it gives. I think it gives the scenes uh, uh, more drama and more depth and more, um, I think it gives it more emotional depth so that we can see the, 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 the pain, right? You know, what's just occurring to me is like, we don't see as much of a ritual for, the Aes Sedai dying, right? We see it all through the oh. warder's eyes, which I think is really interesting. So clearly, like, obviously, you know, they had a small ritual out in the field where they buried her mm-hmm, body, mm-hmm, but we don't mm-hmm. see the Aes Sedai are not there when he's returning her ring into the fire. It's only the warders. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Hmm. And then we I don't really why. see any, like, tower like ritual for the passing of Karini. Yeah. So huh. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I, we're clearly like trying to see like the warder side of the loss here. Mm-hmm. Right. We, so far we haven't seen what happens to an Aes Sedai when her warder dies. 
So, okay, major book spoiler here. Okay, final big book spoiler here. If you want to miss it, go ahead and skip ahead to 12540 and we'll see you there. Obviously, Moraine quote-unquote dies for a while. So, do you think they're just going to move that up really, like, are they going to make that happen really early? I don't know. I know that she's filming the second season right now, so I know it's not going to happen in this. um, uh, I know it's not going to happen in this season, but I don't think it's going to happen in this season. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but um, I'm wondering if like a lot of things are going to get moved up really quickly. Um, uh, There's something else I was just thinking of. Yeah, they're just really, they're, they're really pushing that and so it feels like maybe that's going to come soon but like you said yeah she is filming season two now so who knows yeah but there was something else i was just thinking uh, i can't think of what it was of like oh are we are they gonna get to this this season i don't know but anyway, everything seems to be very truncated. Like, oh, yeah. oh, the thing I was just thinking about, like, just thinking about Leandrin and stuff. I'm like, are we going to see, like, that all happen much faster? Like, the tower fall apart, like, Swan being, yeah. uh, you know. I think we will. Yeah. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen this season. Yeah. That's my guess. Well, I think Leandrin's only in one more episode. But um, I don't know. If it'll happen well, this season, but I think it's going to happen a lot sooner than it does in the books, it feels like. Yeah. I think if it doesn't happen this season, well, so we've got three episodes left. Mm-hmm. I think it could happen this season. No, no, it can't. It can't because we no, still because have they to have get... to like. Well, because we have to get Avienda and we have to get Elaine to the tower. I guess not. Uh, not Avienda. We have to get right. Elaine to the tower. Yeah, Elaine has to get to the tower, which is probably in... just where she's going to get introduced to the stories. Like when she goes there to be a novice, is my guess. <gasps> oh yeah, and she's not in there till season two. So yeah. the earliest that the tower could fall is season two. Right. There's so much that happens before it, but um, yeah, we'll see. We're very curious. We're curious. That's yeah, it. We're just curious. This is a podcast okay. about being curious. <laughs> Um, so, any other thoughts or questions that this episode leaves you with? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. yeah, it's still like, I just feel like uh, we're in such this weird territory where it's like, it's familiar, but it's not familiar, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, fine. No more questions. Okay, what are f- favorite moment and least favorite moment of the episode? Mm, good question. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Favorite moment, at least. Well, I was a big fan of, uh, the Nynaeve and Rand reunion. So I guess, oh. I don't know. I'm just going to like, that's the first thing I can think of. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's favorite moment. Okay. Um, least favorite moment. Uh, least favorite moment. Anytime Leandrin's on the screen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Which, that is nothing. Like, I think... Kate Fleetwood is awesome. Like she's so she's great. She's a great Leandrin. It's just me. Or anytime Vald is on the I don't know, you know. Bad yeah. guys. No, Leandrin is just like, yeah. We hate bad guys. Yeah. You like her as an actor. 
Yeah, totally. You, she's so good as an actor, you hate her as a character. That's right. All right. I'll take that. Um, I will say my favorite moment is when Matt turns to Rand and is like, if it's one of us. Mm. Like, that was so, like, that was just so vulnerable. I just, I want to hug him. Yeah. And then every time I have a feeling about Matt, I just get really sad that he got recast. I know. Nobody has told us yet why. We're still waiting. Yeah. Least favorite moment. Ugh, God. It's got to be when the Tuatha on Link arms. Just. (laughs) (laughs) Like, go back and watch. Just watch that scene specifically. There's this corny ass music that comes in. Okay. And the, (laughs) the way that it's shot and the music, I just. I literally, I think I literally rolled my eyes. That's pretty funny. When it happened. Okay, so, Benina, what's your rating? (sighs) Okay, look, I will also say this. I need to give a caveat to my rating because I also am in the middle of of moving and I'm very tired. (laughs) So I think I'm just generally crabby right now. Okay. (laughs) So, so I think maybe it is possible that my rating is not super fair. I would give this, and, and after talking to you, I'm willing to give this episode a little more grace than I did (laughs) when I watched it. Okay. So all of that being said, all those caveats, I give it like a five. Ooh, harsh. harsh. This is my least favorite episode. Oh my like, goodness. Okay. By far. Wow. Well, I'm slightly more generous <laughs> to the Good. episode. And I'm going to give it a 7.2. Okay. <laughs> Not enough I to believe I gave, I, I believe I gave the first episode a 7. I feel it's definitely better than the first episode. Okay. But not as good as the previous three. Why do you had. think it's better than the first? You know... The first just felt so clunky to me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and this one feels like Stupid. much. It, it feels like <laughs> it knows what show it is. Okay. Um, but it's just like kind of a, a, it's just trying to get a lot of information to us out. So it's mm. just a little bit like, uh, it's like kind of it's just not not a lot happened so there's not like that yeah. like I didn't get like a visceral cathartic release like I did yeah. in the last episode yeah. you know do you know I think I I think if you could compare it to one of the books like feeling wise it's like Crossroads <laughs> of Twilight oh my god like we're just like nothing happens and yeah. you're like I spent a thousand pages and nothing happened Oh, I feel like more happens than we're getting credit for here Maybe. but it's going to pay off later it doesn't pay off in this episode yes I, hopefully by the end of the season I'll be like oh okay we needed that episode also guys I'm just really crabby I'm sorry <laughs> that's funny also, I think it's funny that um, this episode now is probably going to be like two hours long. So <laughs> we should probably stop talking. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your patience as we try to navigate Twitch and figure all those things out. Um, make sure if you have thoughts, 
tell us who do you agree with? Do you agree with Tiffany? Was this was this a pretty good episode, or do you agree with me? This episode uh, below. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can email us your thoughts at onepowerpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. And in the meantime... Oh, and we swear we'll be on Twitch next week. We will. We promise. Uh, and in the meantime, may you faint. And in the meantime, may you find water and shade. <laughs>